Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Um, so thank you, Jeremy. Uh, what a privilege it is and an honor. It's an awesome responsibility anytime we teach the Word of God. And, um, and I enjoy doing that. I love doing that. Uh, just a disclaimer, uh, God is truth. He can't be wrong. So if I say something wrong, it's me and not him, right? Um, if I get stuff right today, that's because of him. And if, we, uh, if the Lord is glorified today, uh, that's because of his Holy, Holy Spirit here this morning. So um, thank you for that. Um, one of the reasons we come together this morning and uh, the second to last song there was, Lord, have your way within me. So we come here this morning to present ourselves to God. And my prayer is that during the worship, uh, during the music, and during the spoken word, each of us uh, would receive from God. God would reveal himself to us um, this morning. So that's, that's my prayer. Um, so we're near the, the end of the book of Romans, and we're going to get into that. Um, if we look back, the first eight chapters of Romans, uh, Paul does a really thorough analysis of the gospel. Um, there, there's such incredible theology there, and it's very, very deep, very exhaustive. And then in, in Romans 9, 10, 11, uh, Paul talks about what does the gospel then mean for Gentiles and for Jews? Um, and in chapter 12, I love chapter 12, just the first two verses alone are, are very rich, where God says, present yourselves. Uh, that is our, our worship. That is our spirit, spiritual service of worship. And then last week, Jeremy talked about the weak and the strong and uh, how we should live and how to obey our government. And now in chapter 15, Paul's going to relate to us his ministry to the Gentiles and how he did that. Um, and so when we work through that, when the, the passage starts in verse 14 with concerning you, my brothers. So he's talking to the believers and he ends with, that they who have not been told about him will see, and that they who have not heard will understand. So we want to talk about how did Paul's ministry go from, hey, believers, to that the world may know. And that's what we're going to uh, fill this morning. I'm going to do that three ways. Um, I'm going to uh, want to consider why was Paul's ministry effective? Um, and it was because Christ worked through him. And then I want to talk about how at salvation, the believer was made ready to minister the gospel of Christ. And then lastly, I wanna say, what does that mean for us? We all have neighbors and coworkers where Christ has not been named, and how can we uh, take that there? All right, so I'm gonna read through the passage. If you would like to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, and please stand with me and we'll read the word of God. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. Uh, for reference, so I will start in verse 14. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. But I've written very boldly to you on some points, 
so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus, I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. And we invite you this morning, in fact, we depend on you uh, to do that. And Lord, I pray that each of us would experience you this morning, uh, continue to experience you as we have in, in, uh, in music, and now through the word. Speak to us, Father. We, we have readied our hearts to receive from you. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Okay, so what was Paul's ministry to the Gentiles? In verse 15 and, uh, and verse 16, uh, Paul talks about that he, he was a minister to the Gentiles. Um, and what's significant here, I guess, in that ministry is Paul says that uh, the result was, in verse 18, the obedience of the Gentiles by word and by deed. Now, that, that, the result represents a lot of work. Um, to just go in and, and tell a bunch of people something and have them change their behavior is it's pretty difficult to do. I've done a lot of training in corporate world, and I know you have to, you have to live the message for many, many uh, months in order to really change. And in fact, to change people is beyond Paul's control. Right? It's, it's beyond a man's control to change another person in, in this way. And so, um, the sense that you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Um, because we can't reach inside a person and make changes there. But that's what happened in Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. And that was accomplished, Paul says, because, not because just Paul's efforts, but because Paul allowed the, uh, the Christ to work through him. This is why we parent our kids with prayer. Yeah, we have a, an autonomous living being that we're, we're raising up to live in the world. And you soon realize as a parent, you can't control a kid. You can't control their heart. And so we, we look to God and say, God, this is what your desire is for my children. This is my desire too. That's why when we disciple, we do it in prayer. That's why the elders pray in this church uh, quite often. And that's why you guys pray for each other. Uh, because we're recognizing uh, the work that God does in, in people. So we entrust our, our work to, to him. Now, how does God work in, inside of us? Uh, how does he work through people? 
Um, you know, it's God's role, Holy Spirit, to reveal truth to us. Uh, it says, the Bible says, he will guide us into all truth. And so, as I mentioned uh, in, in our prayer, you know, our, our prayer, uh, our goal as leaders, and it should be for each other, is that God would reveal truth to you, God, to each other, right? John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he won't speak on his own, but whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak and will disclose it to you. So in order for Paul's ministry to be effective um, at imparting life, and, and really that's what we're talking about with the gospel, he relied on God to reveal, to impart that life through the Holy Spirit. Um, it was beyond what, what Paul could do. Paul did the work of explaining, of teaching, of laboring, um, of, of doing everything that we do when we share the gospel, when we equip each other uh, for the gospel. Uh, but relying on God to reveal truth to each other, to the people. In fact, uh, this is a thought I, I came across just in the past week. Um, when Jesus ended his ministry on earth, he'd spent, you know, about three years with, with 12 men, with the disciples. And I, what I found what was significant was at the end of that three years, what happened to the disciples? Peter denied him. Uh, the disciples fled. They all, they all vanished. Um, John was there in the courtyard with Jesus, but everybody else, it's like, and Peter was there, but it, when, he, when confronted, Peter denied him. And so really, we say, I mean, does that look like a successful group that's going to lead a change in the world? And yet, what was it that transformed the disciples? When were the disciples transformed? When the Holy Spirit came, right? In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came on. And then we see Peter, who had denied Jesus, now is standing up preaching Jesus at the threat of, of prison and at the threat of, of uh, his life. And same way with, with Stephen. So there's quite a transformation. It was the Holy Spirit that revealed to Peter everything that Jesus had taught and led them to, to believe and do was real. That was the transforming point for, for the disciples. So when we work with people, we work with each other. When we work with our neighbors, when we work with our coworkers, laboring uh, as a ministry to the gospel, uh, we, that's what we need to remember is that, man, it's the Holy Spirit that does that work in people. We're there to facilitate, to introduce people to, to the Holy Spirit. So that was Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. It was successful because in imparting, uh, in working, Christ working through him imparted life, and the Gentiles believed and they obeyed in, in word and deed. Um, all right, so Paul doesn't take credit for that. Um, he says in verse 17, Therefore in Christ Jesus I have found reason for boasting uh, in things pertaining to God. And in other places in Romans, Paul says, I'm a crazy man if I tell you everything, all my strengths. Right, Pharisee of Pharisee, he was a very accomplished person. He says, I don't boast about any of that. I presume to speak, uh, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in obedience to the Gentiles by word and deed. But we don't like boasting, right? I mean, boasting isn't good, we shouldn't do that. But if you were going to boast, what would you boast about? And 
we all have things that are good in our lives. We have things that, that we love to do, and God has equipped us, and, and we should feel good about those things. Um, but uh, God, and God uses all of us, and He loves it when we we He gives us gifts, and we use those, whether it's musical worship, whether it's administration, uh, whether it's uh, encouragement, one-on-one encouragement. Um, but He uses all of us just as we are. Um, he uses our talents, personalities, gifts he's given us. Um, but you know what he also uses? He uses our weaknesses. And boy, it's taken me a long time to understand how that's possible. How is it where I am weak, God wants to use it? How do we even offer that, that to God? So our mess-ups, God can use those. Um, our shortcomings, our faults, God uses all of that to build his kingdom. And he uses that to encourage each other. And he'll even use that uh, when, we, when we work with our neighbors and our coworkers. But we don't boast about our weaknesses. I really, I love to give God my strengths. You know, if I have the gift of administration, if I'm good at organizing, man, that's what I like to do for God. Um, but when we do that, right, that shows my strengths. So God, I'm doing this for you. I'm good at this. I'll do this. I'm comfortable with it, that's, and I like to do that. But um, that's using my own strengths. And in John 6, 63, it says, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh, that is my own efforts, provides no benefit. There's no profit in the flesh. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So, it's not that God doesn't, uh, can't use even uh, the work we do in the flesh, but uh, life is imparted through the Holy Spirit uh, as we allow him to minister through this. Um, so Paul's ministry to the Gentiles was successful, and uh, he did that by allowing Christ to work through him, trusting the Holy Spirit to do his work. Um, now, because the Holy Spirit is really so critical in our ministry, um, it's so important to really to impart life, to bear fruit in our labor, I want to take some time to really talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit um, takes up residence inside the, inside the believer. Uh, it's going to be a real quick uh, history uh, of the gospel. Going back to Genesis, uh, there's a lot of verses I'm going to reference. I'm not going to read them all. Most of them you're, you may be familiar with, uh, but I will make them all available uh, in my notes. And so if you want to uh, go back and look at those, uh, all the verses will be there. But I think we understand that God created uh, Adam and Eve to be a spiritual being. In Genesis, it says God created man in his own image. Um, and in John 4, 24, it says God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So here God creates a spiritual being and enjoyed fellowship with God. Uh, Genesis 3.8. Now they heard the sound of, of the Lord, God walking in the garden, the cool of the day. They had fellowship with God. Open, transparent communication. Now you remember uh, in chapter uh, 2, uh, that, or in chapter 3, God tells Adam and Eve, uh, tells Adam, hey, there's two trees in the garden. You can eat everything in the garden except I want to highlight these two trees. Tree of life and the tree of knowledge. 
God says, in the day you eat of it, uh, the tree of knowledge, you will die. So that, that was sin. And so Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the tree of knowledge, um, and they died. So they died. But what died? How did they die? So did their bodies die? No, uh, because it shows later on that God was walking in the garden and, and they hid. So they still had their bodies. Uh, did their, their soul die? I mean, their mind and their will and emotions were still intact. In fact, they felt shame. They felt guilt. They hid. Those are all soulish responses. And so what was, what was really died was the spirit. So God had created man with a, with a live spirit, a spiritual being. And when Adam died, Adam and Eve died, that spirit died. So man now, instead of having a close communion with God, was independent. Basically, man said, I don't need you, God. I choose to live my own life based on knowledge, not based on life, based on knowledge. Um, so here we have um, man being independent from God. Everybody born since then, and this is uh, Paul, first eight chapters of Romans, Paul talks extensively about this. Everybody born since Adam and Eve were born with a dead spirit. So uh, of the race of Adam, in fact, Paul and Paul and Romans, Paul would go so far as to say these are children of the devil. Um, they're not children of God as God had created us to be, but they're, they're the race of Adam. Um, and so uh, we are born into the race of Adam, spiritually dead. You were born that way. I was born that way. Your coworkers, your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. That was our identity before we came to the cross. We were sinners, sinful beings because we were, we were dead to God. So now being born dead spiritually presents us with some problems. Uh, number one is we have this, uh, this problem with sins. We're guilty for what we've done. Uh, so that's one. Number two is not only are we guilty for what we did, which would be sins, but we're guilty for our sin. Our, uh, we're sinful beings. We're of the race of Adam. And so we're, we have to deal with that problem. And three, we're dead. God created us to be alive. And here we are, uh, born in, in Adam's race, we're dead. So if we go back to number one, let's look at our sins. Um, we're guilty for what we've done. Now Christ's blood forgives us for our sins, washes them all away, the penalty's gone. We're, we're a clean slate with God. Um, we're debt free. Our sins, you know, the actions that we've committed have been dealt with. Uh, we're no longer guilty for what we did, but we are still have the problem we're guilty for who we are. We're still part of Adam's race that has set itself against God, independent from God. So we're, guilt, uh, we're forgiven for our sins, but that doesn't really change who we are. And so let's look at our sin nature, you know, the, the identity that we have. You know, at the cross, we talk about uh, uh, baptism. So through baptism, which means union, so Romans says, Paul says earlier, we were united with Christ uh, in Christ's death and his burial. That's why in the water, in the tank, when we're baptized, we go down, right? We're being buried. And in that death is when we died. It says we were in Christ when Christ died. That's our baptism. And so in Christ, we died. Now, you could take the same approach. 
Did, our, did we die physically? No, we still have our body. Did we die, you know, our, our mind, will, and emotions? No, we still, you know, at the, after you believe, you still have our own, our same mind, will, and emotions. Uh, but spiritually, that old man that we were in Adam's race died. So the sinful being that we were has been removed. We're gone. Um, so our sins have been dealt with. Our sin has been dealt with. And then uh, thirdly, we were dead. And so in the same way, being united with Christ in bat- through baptism, when Christ came up out of, the, out of the grave, as we in baptism come up out of the water, uh, that is we are given new life, uh, new life in Christ. We're raised to new life. We became a new creation. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says, um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, uh, the person is a new creation. Uh, the old things passed away, right? Our Adam, uh, the old man that was in us, behold, new things have come. So now we are, again, like we were in the garden before the fall, we're spiritually alive. God made us alive uh, with him in Christ. Um, and, and at that point, Christ says it is finished, right? What the work that Christ has done on our behalf uh, was done. And then we know that Christ sent the Holy Spirit in, in Acts chapter 2. So Christ's blood, forgive what we did. His death, through his death, uh, has cured who we, who we were. Um, and Christ's resurrection has given us new life. That's how we say we we're born again. All right, so what's the benefit then? Um, we've been, the old man has died, we've been made new, we have a, we're spiritually alive beings again. And the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside, inside the believer. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, I've read that for a, a lot of times in my life, and I, I don't, Sometimes I don't know what to do with that. Uh, what does it mean to have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Uh, how does that affect me living this life here and now? Uh, we know that the Holy Spirit, for example, makes gifts available to men. First uh, uh, Corinthians 12, 8, For to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts and gives these blessings to the believers as he desires, as he wills. And it's for us to, to use in the kingdom of heaven. And again, in 2 Peter 1, 3, uh, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Uh, and later on in verse 4, that you may become partakers of the divine nature. So we have this, this uh, spiritual this eternal uh, component uh, within us. Um, so, like I said, for a lot of my life, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to understand that. Uh, I have problems. I don't have answers. Uh, I don't have skills that I need sometimes. Um, and so how do, I, how do I close the gap between spiritual blessings and heavenly places in my life here? And that's through the Holy Spirit that makes those available to us. Um, so, just to help us understand that, let's take um, a simple example. In verse 14, Paul talks about the believers in the church in Rome having all knowledge. 
so my thought, how does, how does, what does Paul mean when he says all knowledge? Um, anybody here want to claim to say they have all knowledge? Right? Doesn't happen. We, we know that's not what he means. Uh, it's quite impossible. The finite brain can't contain the infinite. Um, so there is one inside of us who does have all knowledge. So the Holy Spirit who lives inside the believer has all knowledge, uh, has all wisdom, has all grace, has all love. And the Holy Spirit is yearning to live that through the, through the believer. Um, so while we don't have all knowledge at any point in time, we can have all knowledge in the sense that when I need it, God will provide it. Holy Spirit will say, here's what you need. And what does that look like? Um, well, let, let's, uh, just going back to our verse in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, um, for the one is given the word of wisdom uh, through the Holy Spirit and another, another the word of uh, knowledge. So through the Holy Spirit living in us, uh, God the Father makes available to us everything you need to be the person God created you to be. Right? God, there isn't anything else you need. It's there. Uh, everything you need to be a good husband, to be a good, a good wife, to be a good father or mother, to be a good child, to be a good coworker, to be a good neighbor, to be a good brother and sister in Christ. It's all there. Uh, we have it available to us. Um, and, and so what does this look like? I uh, remember in, uh, early in Jesus' career, he was assembling this awesome, recruiting this awesome discipleship team, right? So he's calling disciples and he's saying, come follow me. And in John 1, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, he is, here is truly an Israelite, uh, indeed, in, in whom there is no deceit. Um, I'm not sure how to take that greeting. It's like, oh, hey, there's Pastor Tom who doesn't lie. It's like, uh, not, not sure what the message is there. But there's an, Nathaniel's an honest guy, right? Christ could see into this heart uh, through the Spirit working in him and, and said, there's a guy who doesn't lie. And Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? The context is they hadn't met, and yet Jesus knew who this was. And he says, well, answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you there. Um, so how did Jesus know about this Nathaniel? So remember, Jesus came to live to set an example to show us how a believer should live. Uh, in Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. So Jesus Christ emptied himself in order to, to become man, taking on the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. So what does that mean? Well, God is infinite. He can be, he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere all the time. Jesus wasn't. Jesus gave up his ability to be omnipresent. He could only be in one place at one time, being human. And being emptied himself, did Jesus have the infinite knowledge that God has? Or did he trust the Holy Spirit? And he worked just like we do. And so he was trusting the Holy Spirit to, to, for the knowledge that he needed. Um, did he have all power? Or did he give that up? He gave that up, and the miracles he did, the Holy Spirit did through, through Christ. 
So in that regard, Christ is our example. If Christ had returned, retained his godly attributes, we'd say, well, of course he could do it. He's God. And so he's demonstrated to us uh, through the Holy Spirit uh, to, to let the Spirit live through him. So why is all this important? Well, it's going to, I think, uh, when we start talking about our neighbors and our coworkers and our brothers and sisters in Christ, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, through the Spirit of God living in us, we have everything we need pertaining to, to life and godliness. The Spirit also gives boldness. Um, so remember, I mentioned already Peter, who had denied Christ. He was there. A lot of other disciples weren't even there, but, but he did deny Christ. Acts 4.19, we see Peter, a different Peter now. Uh, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God to make your own judgment. So remember, they had been preaching, and now they were called before the, the Jewish leaders because they were preaching a different gospel. And the Jewish leaders didn't like that. So they called them and said, you know, really, you need to stop, stop preaching. And Peter says, hey, whether it's right to stop or not, make your own judgment. We, in verse 20, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And they threaten them. When they threaten them further, they let them go. And again, if you look at Stephen, uh, Stephen, who was the first martyr, God revealed himself to Stephen in a very supernatural way. In Acts 7, 55. So Stephen, um, you know, he was one of the, one of the uh, deacons. And here's a deacon that's preaching the gospel in a very, very powerful way. And it says in, in verse 7, uh, ch chapter 7, verse 55, he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the right hand of God. So God, at the moment that Stephen needed it, revealed himself and gave Stephen the boldness to preach the gospel right unto his death. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's pretty bold. All right? Okay. So let's start pulling this together. Um, we have Paul setting an example for us, ministering to the Gentiles. Um, we have, he says he does it through Christ. We looked at how every believer has the Holy Spirit inside of us in terms of uh, all the resources of heaven are available to us through the Holy Spirit. Not as we want to use it, but as God determines that we need it. So in our passage in verse 20, in Romans 15, verse 20, um, says, and thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. So in our church here, Christ is already named. And there is a great ministry right here, all right, to each other. Um, some, when people come to the church, you know, we want to take care of their needs as much as we can, really, but we're, we're, we want to minister the gospel. Um, we, uh, there's also, we have many neighbors and coworkers where Christ is not named. And some of those people aren't interested in going to a church. If they're a non-believer, they, why would I want to go to a church? There's, they see no value in it. Um, some of those have had bad experience in churches. Some of them have badly, bad family experiences. So they're, not, they're even estranged from their, from their families. Um, 
those people need the gospel. Those are people that we have connections with. And so when we think of the Great Commission, we often think out there, right? Go, go out there, go, go to other parts of the world, go into Grand Rapids. Uh, but that word go is really going as you go. And as we go, include our neighbors in that, include our coworkers in that. Um, Great Commission starts at home. Uh, we have, right, these, these neighbors that, that need the gospel. And us, carrying the, the living Holy Spirit inside of us, who wants to reach those people, uh, those people that, that aren't saved. So why is this important? Um, three years ago, uh, Susie and I, my wife Susie, we had uh, uh, the great opportunity to go to a missions trip in Alaska. Um, and it was a, a missions retreat. So they, in that week, they bring missionaries from all these remote villages uh, into uh, uh, Victory Bible Camp. And once they're there, um, uh, her brother-in-law's an uh, endodontist Grand Rapids. They set up a whole dental clinic. Uh, it's pretty interesting because they have a shop vac, you know, for, for suction if you're, you know, for doing cleaning teeth. They have an air compressor to provide air with a filter. So it's pretty amazing what they do. But these missionaries come from all over, and, and then they just love on them for the whole week. Give them dental care. They have uh, cosmetologists come in. Uh, and the speaker that week was Del Tackett. Uh, anybody know the name Del Tackett? Right, a few people. Years ago, he did a, a video series called The Truth Project. Phenomenal about truth in our culture. Um, we did that video series here. Uh, more recently, he did one uh, called is, is Genesis History? And looking at, can we really look at Genesis as to be historical relevant? So Del Tackett's there teaching. And one of the, uh, one of the stories he told was that... Uh, Dell's son had walked away from the faith and walked away from the family. So here's a father, you know, great teacher of the Bible that longs to be able to minister to his son, but his son is just outside of his reach. He's not able to, to talk, communicate, influence his son anymore. Um, and so, you know, think of the prodigal son uh, and the prodigal father whose son left and the father loves the son. Even, even in those circumstances, and yet it can't reach. What Dell uh, realized in that experience was his son has neighbors. And so Dell started praying for his son's neighbors and coworkers. Uh, those neighbors had more ability and opportunity to reach uh, Dell's son than Dell had. Dell had lost that. And so he started praying for his neighbors that one of them would reach out and establish a connection with, with his son. Um, and so we have neighbors. And if you work with, with people, um, do any kind of work, if you take the time to get involved in people's lives, right, people have problems. We all have problems. Um, and some people don't have answers. Uh, so you have, may have coworkers and you may have neighbors who... Uh, really need the gospel. Their marriage is struggling. They're struggling to raise their teenage kids in a culture that would love to devour them. Um, and so there's all these opportunities. 
So when we think of the Great Commission, think, let's start there. Let's start with who our neighbors are. Um, how can we reach them? So um, I, want, I want you to hear my heart, and I'm trying to pull all this together. Um, what I don't want is to walk away thinking, oh, great, now I have to add number 100, uh, command number 100 to reach my neighbors, right? I don't want this to be a, a burden. It's not intended for you to walk away and say, ah, there's another thing I have to do. Uh, rather, um, what I want is for uh, this to be a natural expression of our love for those neighbors. And it's not a burden. It's really a joy. It's a joy of ministry. And the question is, how do we get there? Well, that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us already wants to reach our neighbor. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, God has created good things for us to do. We don't even have to invent them. We don't have to think of them. All we have to do is say, Lord, what would you have me to do to reach my neighbor? And so the question is, how do we make that connection? So I, I uh, mentioned I love the verses Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, and the reason I like those is because, to me, it's part of the, the transformation process. And I love verse 2. I've always loved verse 2 in particular. It says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good uh, and acceptable and perfect. And so I've always liked that because I think that's the point. You know, our, our, our Christian life starts in the mind um, in terms of how we express that. But I often overlook verse 1. And verse 1 says, I there, I ur- Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. That is your spiritual service of worship. So how do I be a believer? I be a believer by presenting myself to God. And when I present myself to God, I take right, my strengths. God, I can do this. I can do this. Look what I did here. I also bring God. I don't really want to talk to my neighbor. My neighbor has a barking dog that keeps me up at night. Right? Uh, whatever it is, the problems we have with our neighbors and coworkers, like God, I really don't want to go there. But when we present ourselves to God and be honest and say, Lord, that's, that's my shortcoming. And we allow God to say, well, yeah, I know that. Thank you for coming to me. Uh, but I will give you the desires of your heart. Um, you know, the, the Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that uh, he's, he will give us, he's already created these, these works for us to do. And so rather than feel like I have to go do something, the only thing I want us to think about doing is presenting ourselves to God. And there's an opportunity, I think, to do that well. We need to uh, get rid of all the distractions, right? And so we go into our quiet place wherever or however we do that. Uh, I used to call this a quiet time. Um, and I've always often in my life looked at quiet time as, yep, on number 101, things to do as a Christian. There's a thousand commands in the New Testament. You can't possibly do them all. You can't possibly apply, think of every one in any situation, apply them all. And that gets complicated. But if I learn when I present myself to God and I be still, and then when I, I listen for, I expect God to show up, and I listen for the Holy Spirit, and I, I let, I, 
I let the Holy Spirit work in me. He gives me a desire. He will give us a desire to meet our neighbors, to reach to our coworkers. They want to do that more than the Holy Spirit wants to do that more than we do. And if we allow ourselves to, to let God, right? let God work in us. And that's what Paul says. Um, Paul says that um, he let his ministry was successful because he let Christ work through him. Paul is a very capable person, very professional. Uh, I, I think when I think of Paul, I think of a, a, a capable lawyer or a, a successful uh, preacher. Um, he handled the word of God very well. Um, and yet Paul, in all his strength and capabilities, was one who said, no, I don't, I don't choose to do any of that. I choose to uh, boast about what Christ has done uh, in my ministry and it through my life. All right, so, so that's it. I think it's pretty simple. Uh, it's very simple in that the work of the believer is to present ourselves to God and let God's spirit have his way in us. Um, and I think if we can do that, uh, we can do great things. When you work with your neighbor, right, you don't have the knowledge you need. You have no idea what's going on in our neighbor's life. And that stops a lot of us. I don't know if I'm going to be asked a question. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get involved in domestic issues. I don't know how to do any of that. But that's a focus on our strength and our capabilities. If we say, God, I don't know that. I'm going to walk uh, by faith into this relationship because I know you love this person. You'll love this person through me. But we have to make ourselves available to do that. Um, so that's my, that's my prayer. Uh, as Paul says, I urge you. I urge you, brothers. Um, and I know we do this. I know we do this uh, across the church. Um, but I know in my own life, I don't do it as consistently as I, was, as I would like. I would love, I love, much prefer to work in my own strength. Uh, I'm good at this, I'll go do that. I'm good at this, I'll go do that. And Paul is saying, uh, Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, no, come to me and do the real work. The things I do in my own strength, the flesh doesn't profit anything. It does not impart life. The things the Holy Spirit does through me imparts life to other people. All right, that, uh, let's pray, um, and then we'll uh, continue on with the service. Father, um, we are blessed beyond our ability to understand in the sense that um, we have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And sometimes it seems so such a disconnect between heavenly places and, and getting up in the morning and going to work, uh, raising our family, dealing with our kids. And yet you've promised, God, that if we take time to present ourselves to you, that the Holy Spirit you've placed in us at salvation, you know, at the cross, uh, you have, you'll give us the desires. You desire to work through us, even when we're weak, even when we don't want to go to the neighbor, we don't want to bring up that conversation with the difficult worker, uh, co-worker. And God, you've said... Let me, let me do that. Let me have my way in you. And when we work like that, God, it's, it's obvious we can't boast about ourselves because we understand it wasn't us. 
it was you working through us. And it's just natural then that we give you the praise. And so this week, remind each of us, Father, on a regular basis, let's present ourselves to you. That is our spiritual service of worship. That is where we can transform our mind. That is where we can connect with these uh, spiritual uh, blessings in the heavenly places and make them available to, to those around us. Uh, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.